John 20, verse 19. We were in this chapter last Sunday, and we're coming back to uh, look at it one more time to hear about Jesus commissioning his church. The Gospels tell us that after the resurrection, Jesus commissioned his disciples who would, from that point on, be called his apostles. I want to explain that from the very beginning because I'll use two words interchangeably, disciples and apostles, same group of people. And each gospel has Jesus giving a commission. They're given a mission. The mission they're given given has a message. That mission and message are to go to all the world, all the nations. It is the command of Jesus to do so. They're to go with his authority. They're to go in the power of his spirit, which he will soon give them. The mission collectively from all of the Gospels uses words like testify, witness, preach, make disciples, baptize, teach, go, all nations. These are words that are in the collective mission that all the Gospels give us. The mission. Before the Gospels, in the Old Testament, we heard hints of the mission because God spoke about there being a light to the nations. God spoke about His people in the Old Testament being a people who would bring the blessing of God to all the nations. He spoke about a coming Messiah. And then beyond the Gospels, we have Acts and the Epistles and the book of Revelation. And the mission is stated in various ways. And this explains why the church today is called to maintain an outward look, to see ourselves as sent ones. It's why the church is called to go public with the faith and our faith. To make the name of Jesus known. The name of Jesus being everything about Jesus. Who he is and what he did. His person, his life, his cross and resurrection and the salvation he brings. And the call to repent and believe going to neighbors and nations. This explains why Grace Community Church. It's why we do what we do. And how we do it, because this commission comes to us as a local congregation. It's the mission that Jesus has given to us. So today, as part of this Gospel of John series, we want to hear how John specifically presents the commission that Jesus gave, the mission of the church. We're in John chapter 20. We're going to read a a short text in just a moment, but we're in John chapter 20. And you'll remember from last week, that there are three appearances of Jesus after he was crucified and raised from the dead. He appeared to Mary Magdalene, the first one to come to the tomb on that Sunday morning. Then he appeared to Thomas, the last of the apostles to believe eight days after the resurrection. And in between, Jesus appeared to the group of disciples. There are 10 of them there. We now know them as the apostles. Today, it's that appearance that we're going to reconsider as we hear about the mission and the message that Jesus has given to us. So if you'll stand in honor of God's word, John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, that's the resurrection day, the Sunday. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked 
where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. This is God's word for us. You may be seated. So we're going to take this passage today in four questions. The first one is this. Who is Jesus talking to? The second one is simply this. What did he say? The third one is a little more challenging. What did he mean? Especially that final verse, verse 23. And then the fourth question, how do we do what Jesus said to do? Who's Jesus talking to? Another way to ask this is, how can I say, as I have been saying already in the introduction to this, how can I say that Jesus commissioned his church when really he was talking to his disciples? Well, Jesus is talking to the disciples. And the disciples are unique. These disciples are. They're called apostles. They stand alone in the history of the church. They're known as, they will become known as the the apostles to distinguish them from all the other disciples who follow Jesus Christ. These were selected. They were set apart, and they were sent by Jesus with the message of what we call the faith, which is the content of the gospel and Christianity, the Bible, the faith that was given to them by the Spirit, and they then were to give it to the church. The apostles, what they gave then, what the apostles gave is the standard of doctrine and morality and ethics of the gospel of faith and practice the faith as Jude puts it once for all delivered to the saints Jesus selected these so they are unique but they did not replace Jesus they're not to carry out their own mission it's not their vision for the church that matters They, these apostles, are simply to continue the mission of Jesus. His way of doing it. By His authority and His power. And what they did was they gave what Jesus gave to them in terms of teaching and mission to the church. They gathered the church in Jerusalem immediately after this. And it was the unique job of the apostles to give the faith, the teaching, the mission to the church gathered in Jerusalem and then beyond so that now congregations are gathered 
throughout the whole world that make up the church. It started in the first century and they, it spread all the way through Asia Minor, what we now know as Turkey. And what they received from the apostles is the teaching of Jesus, including the commission that Jesus gave to the apostles to give to the church. And let's take it further. Not only were there the apostles and then the whole church and congregations all over the place, but there are individual disciples like you and me, followers of Jesus Christ, in these congregations throughout history. And each one of us finds our place right here in the mission that Jesus gave to the church, to the apostles. We find ourselves here. The point is this. Who's Jesus talking to? Jesus is talking to the apostles. And Jesus is talking to the church. And Jesus is talking to congregations. And Jesus is talking to Christians. To you and to me as followers of Jesus Christ. And we could go a little bit further and say, by the time we get to the end of our passage today, verse 23, that Jesus is talking to people yet to believe, yet to be forgiven of their sins. And he is saying to everyone, repent and believe for the forgiveness of your sins and you will have life in his name. That's who Jesus is talking to. Second, what did Jesus say? First thing he said was, peace be to you. Actually, he said it twice. Now, John, one of the beautiful things about the way John writes his gospel is that he often uses words and phrases that have layers of meaning, different levels of meaning. So peace be with you. Why did he say that? What does it mean? He said that because they're afraid. Verse 19 tells us they are locked in a room afraid of the Jews. Who are the Jews? The Jewish leaders. Why would they be afraid? Because the Jewish leaders are the ones who put Jesus up to be crucified by Pilate. They're the followers of Jesus. The high priest wanted to know. Tell us about your disciples. Names and addresses. We're going to go maybe hunt them down. They don't know that. They're afraid of the Jews. Jesus came and said, it's me. You're safe. Be at peace. There's one level. Another reason that Jesus said, peace be to you, is because he just showed up in the room they were in and the door was locked. And they did not know it was him because he hadn't yet showed his hands and his side. And he's just showing up like a visitor at a dinner saying, hello, peace. But then, verse 21, peace be with you because. And here is the meaning. Jesus is saying, I'm alive I died, it's finished, sins have been dealt with, now I'm alive, I am with you, I will give you my spirit, by my spirit, in my spirit, I'm sending you, I'm giving you a mission, peace be to you, courage be to you to carry out the mission. They can't go without this peace. They won't go without this peace. They won't come out of the locked room without peace. Without courage, these are fearful and worked up disciples. And Jesus said, peace. Oh, he said it to them, but we hear it today. 
If you're fearful and worked up, Jesus says, peace to you. That's what he said. Second thing he said, verse 21, I am sending you. As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. Now, the emphasis right here, this is important. The emphasis here is on the word sent. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. The Father sent Jesus. Jesus is sending the apostles, the church, congregations, Christians. The emphasis is on the word sent. The emphasis is not on the way in which Jesus was sent. Because Jesus was sent through a virgin conception and birth to take on humanity called the Incarnation, and that's not going to happen with any of you. We're not sent in that way. The emphasis is on sent. The emphasis is not really even on being sent to do everything that Jesus was sent to do. Jesus did many signs and wonders that are not a part of our mission. Most significantly, Jesus died to atone for sin on the cross. And he said, it is finished. It is not our mission to atone for sin. Jesus and only Jesus can do that. What Jesus is saying here is the Father sent me, and so in that way, like that, I am sending you. Jesus was sent to accomplish the forgiveness of sins on the cross. We are sent to announce the accomplishment. The church is in the world to announce, to proclaim, to speak the accomplishments of Jesus. Jesus came as Lord, we go as ambassadors. The point here is that the church is sent and we have been commissioned and we have a mission and our mission has a message and that message is about what Jesus Christ has done and will do for all who believe. That's what he said. He said, peace, and he said, I'm sending you. And the third thing he said in verse 22, when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit. Now that little phrase, when he said this, when he said what? When he said, peace be with you, when he said, I am sending you, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And what happened there is receiving the Holy Spirit, that phrase is linked to peace. It's linked to sending. And what it means is this. Peace comes from the Holy Spirit. Peace comes as the Holy Spirit lives in us and is with us and brings to us the message of the gospel to our hearts that Christ died for our sins and was raised. Peace comes from the Holy Spirit. And also the courage, the power to carry out the mission comes from the Holy Spirit. Aren't you grateful for that? Because you might be thinking, I don't have the courage. I don't have the power. I don't have the peace to do what Christ wants me to do. 
And to that, the answer is, that's okay. It's understandable. You're right. You don't have anything. This comes from God. This comes from the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed on them and said, peace to you. Of course we can't carry out the mission of Jesus on our own. There's no way we can have peace about the future unless we know the future by the revelation of the gospel and the Holy Spirit works in our lives. What a gift Jesus gave. He's not asking you to work anything up you don't have. He's asking you to believe Him and to trust Him. He'll give you the Spirit. He does give us the Spirit. And with that comes the peace. Now this was spoken in a 40-day transition period between the resurrection of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus when he said, peace be with you. He's eight days into that 40-day window of time. And so the statement anticipates Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is coming when God pours out his spirit in a permanent fashion into his church and the heart of every believer. It's fulfilled then, and we have the Spirit. Everyone who believes has the Spirit. We receive these words today. So what did Jesus say? He said, be at peace, peace to you. He said, I'm sending you on a mission. He said, receive my Spirit. Now notice there's something else being communicated before we go on to the next major question. Notice there's something else being communicated here. When Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, peace to you, and I'm sending you and receive the Spirit, notice what he is doing or what he's not doing. Notice what he's not doing. Jesus is not giving up on his apostles. We're not reading into this, but it's easy to miss. I am so grateful that Jesus is commissioning his apostles here because they were scattered. The Bible tells us that when Jesus was crucified, they were scattered. They were not bold. They didn't understand. They weren't smart about what was going on. They couldn't see. They had no vision. They were scattered, and they are in a room, and they are locked behind a door for fear of the Jews. And Jesus shows up, and he speaks to them hope, mission, peace, calling the Spirit. Jesus did not give up on his church. Now, what he did was rebuke them. Mark chapter 16 tells us he rebuked them for their unbelief. And Revelation 1 through 3 tells us that Jesus continues to rebuke his church when we are failing. But he remains with us. He keeps us. He has commissioned us. He will not give up on his church. Jesus will make his church holy, but he will not give up on us. He calls us to repent and believe and live and obey and go. He will not give up on us. So, we have no right to give up on Christ's church. When a congregation is unfaithful to the gospel, 
and a congregation is unfaithful to biblical morality and ethics, we may have to leave it. But that's only to find another congregation. Because Jesus is with his church. He is with every faithful congregation. And the mindset that says, I like Jesus, but I don't like the church, is not like Jesus. He remains because he is committed to his people. That's what's happening here. Peace, the commissioning, a mission, the Holy Spirit, as imperfect as these apostles were, and as imperfect as we are, this is what we still have. Third question, and it's an important one. Looking at verse 23, what does Jesus mean? I don't know if you were paying attention when I read it a moment ago, so let's read it again. If you, he's talking to his apostles, and remember, the apostles, church, congregations, believers in the congregations, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. What does that mean? Now, obviously, this statement is connected to the commissioning, to the sending, but the question is how? Jesus is connecting his own accomplishment at the cross and his own authority to forgive sins with their message and their mission. Jesus Christ has the authority to forgive sins or to withhold sin, uh, forgiveness of sins because Jesus is Lord and Jesus is the one who died for sins. The accomplishment of Jesus on the cross is what matters. Jesus on the cross fully atoned for our sins. He said, it is finished, which means the punishment against us and our sin is fully endured. The price for our sin is fully paid for. He did it in our place, and by faith in him, we are forgiven of our sins, and we are free now to live unto God's glory. His authority grants or withholds forgiveness based on his cross and given to those who repent and believe. So, when Jesus said that the disciples or the apostles forgive sins or withhold forgiveness, he meant that they do so as they proclaim his authority to do so. The apostles and the disciples grant forgiveness or withhold forgiveness as they proclaim the cross of Jesus Christ, which accomplished this forgiveness. The apostles do not forgive or withhold forgiveness by their own authority or by their own decision, but only by announcing Christ's authority and Christ's accomplishment. That's what's happening here. That's what Jesus is saying here. The effect of their proclaiming Christ and the gospel, the effect of that is to put before people 
the offering of forgiveness through repentance and faith or the prospect of having forgiveness withheld where there is no repentance and faith. That's the effect of the preaching of Jesus Christ. Christ's authority, Christ's grace to forgive sins is actually exercised through the apostles, the churches, the congregations, announcement, proclamation of Jesus Christ's death and burial and resurrection on our behalf and the call to believe. That's how Jesus exercises this great call. Here's an illustration that comes from the Bible itself. Luke 14, Jesus told a parable. He said a man gave a banquet and he invited many people to the banquet, but he invited the many people to the banquet through his servants. His servants went out and said, come, the banquet is ready. So the servants are inviting or they are withholding the invitation by either going or not going. The servant is announcing the master's banquet and invitation to the banquet. And so the grace of the master is exercised through the servants going and inviting. And there is a withholding of the announcement and of the invitation when the requirement is not met. This is what's happening. Jesus has commissioned his his disciples to announce his authority and his accomplishment which the effect is to either grant forgiveness when it's met with repentance and faith or withhold forgiveness when it's not this is weighty this is a weighty mission i don't know if you're sensing that notice too that the message is of forgiveness of sin. He said, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. It's the forgiveness of sin or the withholding of forgiveness of sin. Why? Because the fundamental problem is sin. Sin is what brought the curse into this world. The world is broken because of sin. Genesis chapter 3. And I, like you, am often tempted to focus my attention on the brokenness. To focus my attention on the things that have gone wrong. And to lose sight of the fact that the reason things have gone wrong is because human beings have rebelled against God. Sin. The gospel is not about our dealing with the curse. The gospel is not about our ability to fix the brokenness. The brokenness is there. And certainly we want to bring relief where there's brokenness. We want to bring healing where there's curse. But the gospel is not about our ability to deal with this brokenness and this curse. The gospel is fundamentally that Jesus Christ dealt with the curse by dealing with the sin. He atoned for the sin, the rebellion against God that resides in the heart of every human being. We must be forgiven of this. This is the gospel. When our sins are forgiven personally 
by a personal faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. That means His accomplishments on the cross. Then we are reconciled to God. And then we enter into the promises of the new heaven and the new earth and the eternal kingdom to come. But forgiveness of sin must be because sin is the real problem. And that is a message that is uniquely the church's. Uniquely, the only group of people who will announce that sin is the problem and Christ atoned for sin, the cross is the solution, is the church of Jesus Christ. That's why this is our mission and the message of our mission. So, so far Jesus has said, with God's peace, peace to you, And as the Father sent the Son, the Son is sending us. By the power of the Holy Spirit, receive the Spirit. The apostles, the church, congregations, Christians all take part in this. And when we do, we're proclaiming the message of forgiveness of sins by the authority of Christ and based on the accomplishments of Christ on the cross. It is finished, he said. And by doing that, we are putting before all people the call to repent and believe. With the result... That where there is repentance and faith, there is the forgiveness of sin. And where there is not repentance of faith, there is the withholding of forgiveness of sin. One more side note. Why do I keep saying repentance and faith? Because faith implies repentance. You cannot turn to Jesus Christ without turning from something else. And what we are turning from is our self-lordship, setting the God of self on the throne of our heart, and all the sins that come from that. We have to turn from that. That's repentance. Why else am I saying repentance and faith? Because that's the language of the gospel. Luke chapter 24, when Luke is writing almost identical words to John, He said, repentance and faith for the forgiveness of sins must be proclaimed to all the nations. This gospel must be proclaimed. This gospel must be received by faith. If so, there's the forgiveness of sins and the entrance into all the promises of God. If not, there is no forgiveness. And this is the message of the church. This is the mission of the church. We're the only ones with this mission. So friends, trust Christ today. Repent and believe. Turn from self-lordship. Turn from anything that has self than a hyphen. Self-righteousness, self-lordship, self-dependency. Turn. Repent. Lay it down. Go to Christ. Turn your back. Turn your face. Repent. Turn to Christ. Receive Him. Trust Him. It's faith. Mind, heart, say, yes, what Jesus Christ did on the cross. See that as one man, the man, Jesus Christ, paying the penalty for your sin. Nailed to the cross in your place.
bearing the wrath of God against your sin in his own flesh. See yourself there, crucified with him, your old self, being put to death so that you, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, can be raised to walk in newness of life. This is a Christian. Become a Christian today. You will be forgiven. You will be forgiven of every sin you have ever committed or even thought about committing or ever wanted to commit. You will be forgiven of the sin nature that dwells in you from which all that sin flows. You'll be forgiven of the sins that you won't even right now, you can't even right now remember. You will be clean. You will be washed. You will be, you will be made new. And you enter in. Congregation. Let's take this up. This is our mission. Which leads us to the final question. How do we do it? How do we respond to what Jesus has laid out for his church through his apostles today? So I'll give you several bullet points. And this is the kind of congregation that I know we're praying for and want to be and God is making us into. A congregation where we rejoice that Jesus Christ is alive. Our Savior and our Lord came and lived and died and was put into a tomb dead and on the third day rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and he is alive. That's our joy. That's our hope. It's not in ourselves. It's not even in our congregation. It's not, it's not in our resolve to do the mission. It, it's in none of that. Our hope resides one place, Jesus Christ, who is alive right now, has always been, forever will be. And we're going to be a congregation that repents of our sin and trusts in Christ. There's no shame in that. If you left today and you got a text message from a friend that said, hey, the church down the road repented today, you'd think, what's wrong with that church down the road? The answer would be absolutely nothing now. <laughs> We're called to live a life of repentance and faith in Jesus out of the joy that our sins are forgiven and Christ is alive. And then we rejoice that our sins are forgiven and that we've entered into the kingdom of God and the promises of God, the newness to come. And we believe that He has given us the Holy Spirit. We trust this. Sometimes I'm out walking and I'm praying and I think, say things like, Father, give me the Spirit. And always, always the Spirit reminds me, you have me. Submit to me. Yield to me. I've inspired the word. Take up my word and believe it and receive it and obey it. That is submission to the Spirit. That is the filling of the Holy Spirit. And we receive this mission, this command with a spirit of obedience. And we remain on message. Thank you 
for thanking me for preaching the gospel. Because I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes, sometimes I even say to myself, it's the gospel that you've said a thousand times at Grace Community Church. Isn't there anything a little more, I don't know, spicy or... <laughs> See, I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm still me. And so somebody will say, thank you for the gospel. And I'm like, yeah, okay, remember that, Scott. Let's stay on message. The cross, the resurrection, the call to repent and believe, the forgiveness, the reconciliation, the new life, the life of obedience, the life of hope for the future, the life of faithfulness. This is the message. And finally, we resolve. We resolve to carry this out together. This is our calling, brothers and sisters. This is our calling. It's not my calling. I know. I talk a lot. I'm every Sunday up here, and I'm watching the clock. I know. I'm, but I'm, you say, well, that's your calling. It's what you do. I don't know how to keep saying that. I'm going to keep saying it. This is a congregational witness. This is a congregational mission. Okay, so I know I talk, but you do too. We all believe. We all pray. We all give. We all serve. We all disciple. We all encourage. See, healthy congregations, singing songs, praying prayers, preaching the gospel, discipling each other, being launched into the city each week, going where you work, doing what God's called you to do, loving, speaking, sharing. See, this is, see, it's a congregational thing. And God has His congregations planted all over the map. They're all over the place. Read about them. They're in Bangladesh. They're all over the place. To give testimony to Christ who forgives sins and brings people in. So you... Find your place with me here in this congregation and let's resolve together for the mission of Christ. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for the clarity with which you speak to us about your, your will in this world.